All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into GoodRanchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Election integrity, does it matter? Do we have it? Are all elections lost going forward? Well, here in Virginia, we're about to find out this November because a lot of people are saying a lot of different things about whether or not it even makes a difference to vote anymore. And so we're going to be addressing those issues today on Making the Argument with Nick Freitas, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. Okay, so here's what I find so interesting about this. Whenever we talk about election integrity, um, it means different things to different people. And post-2020, whenever a conservative talks about election integrity, we're, we're constantly being accused of essentially putting the tinfoil hat on, right? That we think that all of the elections that we lose are stolen. And I don't know, maybe there's some conservatives that actually believe that. Maybe there's some conservatives that believe that every time they lose an election, it's because it was stolen. I don't think the majority of us believe that. I think what the majority of us believe is that there have been an increasing number of abnormalities within the last several years with respect to our elections. And we chuck some of this up to recent legislation. We chuck some of this up to changes in the way that we actually you know, verify the vote. And so there's some concerns. Now, I've never claimed that any of my elections were stolen. I've never claimed that elections were stolen in general. But I have said that we, we've got some abnormalities. We've got some things that we need to work on. And how are we going to do that? But when we talk about the way that this, the, you know, the direction this conversation is going, I, I want to point something out. And that is, is that I'm old enough to remember, right? I'm old enough to remember when Democrats were the ones that were concerned about election integrity. And... That was all pre-2020. So this idea that Democrats are pointing the fingers at conservatives saying you're just mad because you lost. There's no such thing as voter fraud. There's no such thing as this, this concern. Um, I, I provide Exhibit A, the 2016 election, where Democrats were not only questioning whether or not it was a legitimate election, but you had some members of Congress. I want, listen to this. You had some members of Congress that were actually opposed to verifying the electors. <gasps> I mean, I was told, I was told that that's like one step away from treason. But apparently, apparently when the Democrats wanted to do it, it was, it was the typical thing that the press always says. It was brave. It was bold. They were, you know, demonstrating their passion or their genuine concerns over election integrity. And what was that election integrity concern all based on? Russian interference into our election. Now, I hope everyone can agree I don't want foreign governments intervening into our election. 
I do think it's a little bit disingenuous for, for some people, especially when you consider the United States has been involved in a lot of foreign elections to act as if, oh my gosh, this is the first time this has ever happened. Right. And, and when you look at the when you look at the level of Russian involvement, there's a couple of things that we ended up finding out through an investigation. One was, no, there, there wasn't collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government Two, the Russians did not put in a lot of effort for this. Right. They did some ad buys through like social media. Three, they kind of ignored all of the other countries and foreign governments that also attempted to intervene in our election in one way, shape or form, uh, but did so on behalf of Hillary Clinton. So. Again, I, the part I think we can all agree on is nobody wants foreign governments attempting to influence our election, right? I don't know how you stop all of that, but none of us wants that. No, nobody wants somebody to get elected president because there's been some sort of overwhelming influence from a foreign power. Having said that, we know in 2016, there wasn't any overwhelming influence by a foreign power, right? That's ridiculous. Um, but by the same token, we don't deny that foreign governments were attempting to influence our elections. They, they do that all the time. So again, just pointing out just pointing out for some of my Democrat friends that were very concerned about election integrity in 2016 and not so concerned about it now that, you know, hey, you, you, were, you were right there not that long ago, right? The second one, and, and again, if you thought that was it, it wasn't, right? I remember when Stacey Abrams was running for governor of Georgia and she lost, right? And this isn't something that probably should have been terribly shocking that a, a, a very left-wing Democrat lost the gubernatorial, gubernatorial election in Georgia. However, we were all told that this was a, a result of, you know, definitive voter suppression. And this is, this is kind of a distinction to, to some degree. When the left talks about the, the problem with election cycles, they're usually talking about from the perspective of, well, Republicans engage in voter suppression, or various laws are essentially akin to Jim Crow or, or attempting to keep minorities from voting. Um, and, and part of the reason why they say this is because if you actually look back at U.S. history, you can find laws that were on the books that were specifically in place in order to prevent minorities from voting. It was typically in the Democrat-controlled Jim Crow South, right? So these were not these were not Republican laws; these were Democrat Jim Crow laws. And there was they they kind of took on two different two different versions, right? One version was laws that were inherently racist, right, or sexist. So it was laws that either prevented you from voting based off of your sex or prevented you from voting based off of your skin color, right? That's inherently racist. That's evil. And we've gotten rid of those, right? Ever since the Civil Rights Act, you, you cannot discriminate in that way uh, with respect to your voting laws. The second category was laws that were not what you would call inherently racist, but they were definitely being applied in a racist manner, all right? So for instance... Uh, poll taxes or poll tests. So theoretically on the books, it looks like the poll tax applies to everybody, or it looks like the poll test applies to everybody. But then it, what it did, it allowed local elections officials to essentially discriminate. So the question that the white guy got was not the question that the black guy got, right? So it was, it was things like that that were, again, maybe conceptually they weren't inherently racist, but they were overwhelmingly used to achieve a racist result. And again, we got rid of those during the Civil Rights Act. So um, there, there's been a lot of progress on that, but regardless of all that, Democrats still claim that voter suppression tactics still exist. And one of the biggest things that they push now is it's voter ID laws, right? Voter ID laws is another form of Jim Crow or voter suppression, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's fascinating is that when you poll minority people, like, you know, again, take all the, you know, evil white people out, just poll minority people. What do you find? 70, 80% of them think that photo ID actually makes sense with respect to voting. Okay. So the, the point here is, is that when, when the left comes out and, and attempts to claim that anybody that's complaining about abnormalities in voting or election fraud, 
when they're claiming that you know we're all wearing tinfoil hats, again, they were very comfortable in those same tinfoil hats when it was Hillary Clinton versus Trump, when it was Stacey Abrams down in Georgia. And so the idea now that they're going to come and try to try to claim that A, they're not concerned about it, and B, that you know they're they're just fighting to expand the vote when in reality you look at the sort of legislation that they're pushing, uh, you know they're they're mischaracterizing certain common sense legislative things like photo ID or you know requiring someone to register to vote be- before they vote, and and I don't mean like same day voter registration. I mean like having some time so the registrar can actually confirm that this is someone that's legally allowed to vote. They're now trying to claim that well that's voter suppression. That's Jim Crow. You know, th- that, that leads to problems within our election cycles. So, again, that's, that's that kind of narrative. Now, on the right, you do have some people that essentially make the claim that almost any time that they lose an election, even if it's one that, you know, predictably you can look at it, you can look at this district and you can say, this is a, this is a blue district. This is probably no. you, you do have some people on the right that want to claim that every election loss is a result of fraud. And, and I, think there's, I think there's a couple reasons for this. I think for some people genuinely believe it, right? They genuinely believe it. I think other people, honestly, they don't get out. They don't work for their candidate. They don't donate. They don't make phone calls. They don't knock doors. They don't do any of those things. And now they can feel like, oh, well, look, I'm validated because it, it's all election fraud. And, and really what it is, it's, it's an excuse to not have to fight for the things that you think you care about, right? So you, you can act like you're morally superior because you're not doing anything because after all, it's all rigged, right? And I think that's garbage too. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about, regardless of where you fall on this spectrum, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about, okay, what, what is the issue? What are the problems that most of us agree on? These are the problems. What are the potential legislative solutions? And then what are the things that you can do if you're concerned about this? What are the things that you can do in order to make sure that you are making it both easy to vote and protecting the integrity of our elections, right? Those, those should be things that we, we all want. I know it's what I want. I want it. I want voting to be easy. I want it to be easy to vote, hard to cheat, right? That's what that's what we should all want on this. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the issues. So, you know, we, we've already addressed some of the left wing narrative on this. We've already addressed some some people that you know again want to chalk everything up to fraud. Let's talk about what we know. Okay, first of all, we we do know that voting machines can be vulnerable to cyber hacking. We we do know that's possible, right? Depending on the machine, depending on how you use it, it can be more vulnerable. It can be less vulnerable. Right, it all just—it all just depends. But it, it's vulnerable. It's—it's it's less secure in many respects than simply hand counting ballots, because when you're hand counting ballots, it's easy for people to to sit there. It's easy to have observers, see to look at all that. When when you have something that's obviously with the machine, it might be more convenient with respect to vote and getting in the numbers and faster. But but there is going to be concerns with respect to algorithms, with respect to things like you know chain of custody and and hacking and things like of that nature. So so that's one issue, right? That's one issue that we could look at and we could say, all right, would it be better to just go back to hand counting ballots with proper observers from the various candidates, you know, th- uh, there from independent watchdog groups, watching that process go forward. And then reporting those numbers right there, because one of the other issues that we have is that what we saw is you, you count the ballots in one place, right? Um, or you kick certain people out of the room, you count the ballots, or, and, then, and then you move the ballots somewhere else, and then all of a sudden there's a potential discrepancy or there's some sort of you know, other problem. Or you, you close down the polls, you get everything up, and then you move to a different place in order to count. Okay, well, right there, you, you have a potential chain of custody issue. You have potential issues with respect to... You know, even if the person didn't do anything wrong, it causes people to question something, especially when there's other abnormalities within an election cycle. All right. So that's another one is like, shouldn't we just close down the precinct, 
right, right when the voting hours are closed, and then count everything right there in front of the observers and then report the numbers and so everybody knows what it is. And there's not this process where you're worried about, you know, more ballots coming in or somebody moving from one location to another location and adding more or taking away or whatever it is. Just we have it right there. You close it down. You have the observers. You do the count. You send up the count. Everybody can be confident about what took place, right? And then you lock everything up in case there needs to be a recount or something of that nature. Another thing that we uh, saw that were abnormalities is people would come in to vote. And, and again, you need to remember that because of COVID, there was a lot of states that passed laws kind of like at the last minute. Some states had these laws in the books. Other states passed them last minute. In Virginia, we passed them last minute. In fact, there was a judge that even came down and said that the laws that were passed were, in a, were inappropriately done. It's like it's not that the legislature didn't have the authority to do it, but they didn't, they didn't follow the best processes for doing it. And so you have things like uh, ballot drop-off boxes, which that was new in Virginia. Ballot drop-off boxes. So obviously there's security concerns associated with a ballot drop-off box. Um, you, had some other, you had some other legislation uh, like expanding early voting, right? So early voting used to be, you know, week or two, now 45 days. Now you have a new law that's going into effect this year that says that you don't have to show photo ID in order to vote. You got another law that says you can do same-day voter registration. Okay, so what, what's the problem with some of this? Well, one, when you increase early voting by like, 45 days. I mean, obviously there's a fiscal component there with having to keep your registrars open and, and the whole deal, right? That's, that's potentially problematic. There's also an issue with respect to, um, you know, one thing, a, a person can have a particular opinion at 45 days before the election and change their mind at two days before the election. And most states don't allow for you to change your vote. And so the, there, is some, there is some degree of, of concern about this idea that it's no longer voting day, it's voting month and a half. Um, without having to show any sort of photo ID to vote. Obviously, that, that ends up being somewhat of an issue with respect to verifying that you are what you are. So someone working at the polls can see your ID, see your address, it matches up. Yes, you're the person in the picture. All right, go ahead and vote. Right? That, that's, it's just a simple way to be able to prevent fraud. Now, Democrats are now claiming that's voter suppression. I would say they would have more of a case if like, state governments didn't provide you an ID free of charge. Like in Virginia, we literally will provide you a photo ID free of charge um, in, in order to make sure that you can vote, right? So th this is not, this is not a, an overwhelming step in order to be able to verify who you are. In fact, if you show up, even when the voter IDs were in law, if you showed up and you didn't have your photo ID, you forgot, you could still fill out a provisional ballot, but then you just have to come back later and, and yeah, hey, here's my ID, I am who I said I am, right? So photo IDs. Same-day voter registration. This is just like, same-day voter registration. So it's not the same thing as saying commit voter fraud. It's just basically saying, we're going to make it as easy as possible to commit voter fraud, right? It would be like passing a law that says, I'm not telling you to steal from a bank, but we just passed a law that says the banks have to keep the vaults open 24 hours a day and can't have any security, right? That, that would be, you'd be like, okay, not sure exactly why you did this, um, but it, it, it is providing some problems here. It's providing some security issues. So obviously, if someone can like register that same day and then vote that same day, you, you run into this problem of people either registering under false names or they register in multiple different locations and then their ballots get counted several times. Now, the Democrats' response to this is, well, no, no, there's still a, a process for validation. There's still a process for verification. Yeah, okay. And you also want to tell me that there will be absolutely zero human error at any of these polling locations when they're putting ballots in there and counting them. Because that's another thing that we identified about, um, you know, abnormalities is that once the ballot is through and it's part of the overall tally, it makes it significantly more difficult to identify problems, right? We saw that in Virginia where, where registrars were counting naked ballots, which is a uh, absentee ballot that is filled in or, or that is sent in without the, uh, the appropriate uh, process. 
they were counting them anyways. Well, again, once those, once those are in, which ones were naked ballots and which ones were not naked ballots? Well, now, now you don't potentially know, All right? We had another situation, we had other situations where people were coming in and were being told that, um, they, you know, they showed up to vote, they were being told you already filled out an absentee ballot. They said, well, no, I didn't. So what did they do? They had them fill out a provisional ballot. Well, again, that makes sense. Until you find out later that the electoral board, which is two Democrats and one Republican because we have a Democrat governor, could then choose whether or not they took the provisional or the absentee. So think about that. Someone shows up on election day to vote, shows your ID, proves who they are, votes, and tells you, I did not fill out an absentee ballot. And the electoral board still has the ability to choose the absentee over the in-person vote. Right? So these are all things that we can correct in order to ensure election integrity. Now, how can we do things in order to assure ease of voting? Well, one of the things that we passed in Virginia that I agreed with was no excuse absentee. It used to be that if you wanted to vote absentee in Virginia, you had to provide an excuse, right? There had to be a legal excuse for why you had to vote absentee. I don't think you should have to do that. I, I still think you should have to provide your signature. You should have your, you know, your photo ID copy in there. You should be able to prove some stuff. But I, I don't think you, you need to get, provide an additional excuse to vote absentee. There could be any n- number of reasons why you would need to do so. And I, and I just don't think that's necessarily any of the governor, uh, government's business. So th- those are some things that we can correct legislatively. And that's what it's going to require, right? We're going to need a bill that says you got to have photo ID to vote. And we will provide you that photo ID at no expense to the voter. You need a bill that says, look, we can do some early voting, but we're not doing a month and a half of early voting. You can do, le- you have legislation that needs to say, you can't do ballot drop-off boxes, you know, just kind of like at different points without proper security. We can have legislation that says you, you can't do same-day voter registration, right? You can, you can register to vote, but it needs to be within a certain period of time to where your registrars, or the DMV, or wherever you're registering to vote actually has time to validate that you are legally permitted to vote within Virginia, that there's no outstanding issues that would prevent you from doing so, right? These are all things that we need legislation in order to do. So how do you get the legislation? Well, you got to win elections, right? You got to have the majority. You got a majority of the General Assembly that will pass that legislation through the House and the Senate, and you need a governor that will sign it into law. And this is the part where people come back and say, well, shoot, if the elections are rigged, then how do we do it? First of all, remember something. If if you're not going to vote or you're not going to work or you're not going to try because you believe the elections are rigged, well, then whoever you're mad at, they've already won, right? They have already won if that is what you believe. You know, do I believe the voter fraud takes place? Yes, I believe voter fraud takes place. Do I believe that in some elections it can be very, very consequential? Absolutely. Do I believe that voter fraud explains every election that we have? No, I do not. All right. And, and the bottom line is, is I want to work to make sure that I'm fighting for and defending the principles that I believe in. And I, I have to get out there and do something in order to make sure that happens. Now, if you are still concerned, I would say keep voting, right? Don't stop voting. But what else can you do? Right? That is a fair question. What else can you as a citizen do in order to ensure election integrity if this is an issue you are very concerned about? I'm going to give you two things right now that are really important that get you involved. One, you can be a poll, an elections official. How do you do that? Well, it kind of varies by state, but in Virginia, what you do is you call up your local registrar within your county, right? And you say, I want to be an election official. They send you through some training, and now you are somebody that officially works on behalf of the registrar's office on election day at a precinct. You're signing people in. You're verifying that they're, they're legally allowed to vote at that particular precinct, right? You can be a part of that process when they count the ballots, right? They, you can be on the front lines of ensuring election integrity. 
Now, at that point, understand, you're not there to represent a particular candidate, a particular political party. You're there to represent the process and make sure that Virginia law is followed and that we have, again, safe and fair elections. So that, that's a noble goal, and it is one of the key ways that you can be a part of the solution for ensuring greater election integrity, right? Call up your local registrar, say you want to be an election official, dedicate the time. Doesn't take a lot of time and training, but once you do it, it's again, it's, it's a great way to serve your community. It's a great way to be a part of this process. Now, let's say you call them up and they don't have any more room for election officials, but you still want to be a part of the process to ensure integrity. Great. Call up your candidate or call up your local committee and you can get a form to be a poll watcher. Now, what this means is, is that you will actually get to be the candidate or the party's representative inside the precinct. Now, obviously, and for good reason, you, you can't interfere, you can't interject, you can't do those things. You are there to observe. But if you see something going down that is problematic, you can hop on the phone, you can call the lawyer's numbers that are provided, you can call the registrar and you can say, there is a problem right now and it needs to be addressed. Let me tell you why this is really important to, in order to address something as it is taking place. One, you always want to keep honest people honest, right? But the other component is this. One of the things that we've learned with respect to abnormalities within voting is that once it's already taken place and once everything's been counted, it becomes very, very difficult to come back and say, okay, wait, there was a problem there. But if you catch it as it's going on, right, or before that ballot's cast, it is far easier to be able to, again, just keep honest people honest. I'm not suggesting everyone's out there trying to commit voter fraud. Sometimes people just make honest mistakes. But you as a poll watcher will be in a position where you can help rectify that and make sure it doesn't happen, all right? Um, so those are the two things that you can do that, that are in a quasi-official capacity. One is an official capacity on behalf of essentially the county. One is an official capacity on behalf of the, the candidate you support or the party that you're supporting. And both of them allows you to be able to be on the front lines of protecting integrity, all right, within our election system. Um, here's the third thing I'm going to, I'm going to throw out there. And this is going to sound a little bit weird because I just got done talking about early voting. Um, I think some early voting is appropriate. I think no excuse absentee is appropriate. I think 45 days of the registrar's office being open. I think that's a little excessive. However, that is the world we live in. So if, if you want to win, if you want your candidate to be successful, I'm going to tell you right now, you should vote early for two reasons. One reason has to do with election integrity. One reason has to do with just campaign fiscal responsibility and allocation of resources. So let's go with voter integrity because like a lot of people are telling me, why would I vote early? I vote on election day. I get it. That's how I've always voted. I voted early for the first time last year. I voted absentee when I was in the military. I'm going to be voting early this year. And here's why. When you go to vote, right, and you vote early, you are showing up to the registrar's office, right? So you, you can see them. They can see you. You can verify. You can do all the things that you want to do. You can then go in and vote your ballot. You run it into the machine you have a voter ID number associated with you in Virginia. The moment you vote, all right, they're no longer, no one's going to get an absentee in your name. You can't, you know, you're not requesting an absentee, right? It shuts down that whole process of the mail-in side of this because a lot of people had concerns about getting absentee ballots that they didn't request, right? The, the things like that are problematic. Once you have voted and your voter ID number is checked off in the system, you can now verify that you have voted, your vote has been counted, and you, it also reduces the chances of someone attempting to vote in your name, right? Maybe they try to show up and do same-day voter registration. Nope, your voter ID is already taken. Maybe they try to get a ballot in your name. Nope, it's already taken. Maybe somebody stuffs a ballot with a, uh, a, a, one of these ballot drop-off boxes with something filled out in your name. Nope, yours is already done because you showed up in person and voted, 
right? So that's why early voting can be actually very helpful in protecting election integrity. The second reason why it's helpful is for your candidates. Again, I think all of us get tired of getting junk mail. All of us get tired of getting text messages. All of us get tired of getting called up in the middle of dinner um, in order to hear about a candidate that we're already voting for. So candidates can also look at who's voted. And if they've got you listed as someone that's already voted for them, they no longer have to spend money sending you text messages, calling your phone, or sending you mail. They can reallocate that to people that they have already identified that are voting for them that haven't voted yet. So this ends up being a very, very fiscally responsible way and fiscal way that you can contribute to your candidate by essentially freeing them up from bugging you. Win-win, right? So let's, let's wrap all this up. First of all, it is completely unfair and intellectually dishonest for the left to claim that we're the only ones that have a problem with election integrity because they had a problem with it in 2016. They had a problem with it again with Stacey Abrams was running in Georgia. So rather than pointing fingers at one another and claiming that everyone's wearing tinfoil hats, why don't we acknowledge that there are certain things, there are certain abnormalities that have taken place that are problematic that we should address. We should also acknowledge that there are certain ways to conduct election operations which protect the integrity while making it easy to vote there's other ones that make it both easy to vote and easy to cheat, and we need to actually have common sense laws which make sure that everybody that is legally eligible to vote has an opportunity to vote, that there's, there's you know, nothing standing in there, no, no significant hindrance for them to vote, while at the same time ensuring that we can actually protect our election integrity. Some of that is gonna be legislative. Some of it you can do as an individual, right? You call up your registrar, you sign up to be an election official. They don't need any more election officials, great. You call your candidate, you call your party, you say, I want to be a poll watcher. That puts you once again in a position to be able to monitor what's going on and ensure that everything is running in accordance with the law, right? And then finally, by voting early, you take your voter ID off the rolls so it reduces the, uh, the opportunity for other people to attempt to vote in your name. The other thing it does is it helps candidates reallocate the limited resources they have toward the people that haven't already voted for them. Plus, you're no longer interrupted at dinner, win-win. What a great country. All right. I hope you found that helpful. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go like, follow, share, right? Let other people know about this, especially when we're talking about how they can actually help with election integrity. If you've got that friend that is really mad about the current state of our elections, this is the video. This is the podcast to share with them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We'll put it on Facebook. This is the one to share so we can actually get people involved helping in relevant ways instead of just being angry, right? If we're frustrated, good. Take that frustration, apply it to something that's actually gonna work. Let's save our commonwealth, save our country, protect our elections, and make sure everyone that legally can vote has an opportunity to do so. I'm Nick Freitas from Making the Argument. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.